Hey, Sox fans, welcome to Lockdown White Sox. Thank you for making Lockdown White Sox your first listen each and every day. Uh, we are free and available on all platforms. Follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Sox. Also, subscribe to our YouTube channel. Just search Locked on White Sox. Hey, I'm your host, Nick Murawski, a lifelong diehard Chicago White Sox fan. Uh, I had the privilege of joining Paul Francis Sullivan uh, recently on Locked on MLB. We had a wonderful conversation uh, regarding uh, our Chicago White Sox. So please enjoy uh, this conversation with Sully on the state of the Sox. The White Sox were the consensus pick in the American League Central before the season got started. There's been some rough parts in this first third of the season, but things might turn around. One thing that's definitely turning around is going to be the White Sox representation on this show. Nick Murawski of Locked On White Sox is going to show up. This is Locked On MLB. You are Locked On MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast we talk about all of Major League Baseball. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. If you're looking at it there in my lower third, you just call me Sully. This show is being part of the Lockdown Podcast Network, and thanks so much for making us your first listen, as we're available on all your free podcasting catchers. And you can follow us on Twitter at Lockdown MLB Pods. Same handle for Instagram. I'm your pal, Sully. You can follow me at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram. Well, the White Sox were the team that I think everybody and their donkey were picking to win the division. As of this recording, which we're doing this over Memorial Day weekend, the Twins are in first place, and to be fair, I actually did pick the Twins to make the playoffs. Thank you very much. I am Nostradamus. I did not pick the Yankees to make the playoffs. I'm dumb. Someone who isn't dumb, how about that for a transition, is the brand spanking new host of the Locked On White Sox podcast. We're going to talk a little bit of Southside Ball. My dog is hearing me yell, and the dog is saying, where's Nick Borowski of Locked On White Sox? There he is. How you doing, Nick? Hey, Sully. Thank you for that intro. Uh, really appreciate being here, buddy. Yeah, you're in the uh, Jermaine Dye man cave, it looks like, back there. <laughs> MVP. MVP. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yep, that year, 2005, Scott Podsednik and I tied for home runs that year. And uh, except when it came to the postseason – where he homered off my beloved Red Sox, and I said, "Ah, oh, let's have a walk-off in the weirdest October in Brad Lidge's life. Yeah, but, uh, it's uh, it's becoming the 05 White Sox are, are slowly becoming the 85 Chicago Bears, and uh, we're trying to change that uh, for the White Sox because, you know, we don't want to talk about the 85 Bears anymore. Great team, but we need something new, and that's what we were hoping here. We were hoping this year this was going to bring us a new conversation piece. My my cousin Dave is a rabid Mets fan and was a rabid Mets fan in 86 when he gave me, um, I don't know if you know what happened that year, yeah. a little a little bit of needling. Um, but even he's saying the Mets have to win the World Series if for no other reason that people could shut up about 1986. And I can imagine 
you know, for White Sox fans, if imagine I have what I call the rule of seven, which is you don't really have your first concrete sports memories until you're around seven years old. And imagine someone who was born in like 2003, 2004, who's, you know, in college right now, thinking, I'm sick to death of hearing about the 05 White Sox. I didn't experience them. I want to experience something of my own. Yeah, and and you know to make matters worse, uh, you know NBC Sports Chicago, which does all of the uh, White Sox games, you know, they brought uh, Ozzy Guillen, who was the manager in two thousand five, uh, back a few years ago to do the pre and post game. Now I love Ozzy Guillen, but it's just a further reminder of of how much we are attached to that 05 uh, White Sox team. And yeah, hey, I love those guys: Mark Burley, Paul Canerco. Sednik, AJ Przinski, legends will always be legends, but it's time to have a new team. And we thought six years ago when the great rebuild of the South side began that uh, mm-hmm. we were going to be here talking about, you know, a definitely a world series uh, contenders. It's interesting as you and I were talking, we talked about 30 minutes before we hit record here. We probably could have, we probably <laughs> should have recorded that. That would have been an interesting episode that we were talking about, but, um, I've lived in the Bay Area, I've lived in New York, and I now live in Los Angeles County, and I have gotten to know people who are fans of the second team in each one of those areas. Uh, Met fans have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, and a little inferiority complex. A's fans who are so dedicated and so diehard and are constantly replaying the Charlie Finley era A's and the 89 team that beat the Giants and Angel fans, they also have a little bit of a chip on their shoulder, um, you know, partly because they have the best player in the universe and they can't make it to, they can't make it to October. Um, I always felt the White Sox always got shortchanged in a lot of the discussion of Chicago lore, discussion of, of, you know, beloved Chicago teams. I'll never forget my mother, who's listening to this show, hi, Mom, uh, was in was on a business trip in Chicago. And she was like, she, she was going to want to buy me and my brother like a T-shirt. And this was, Jordan was playing then, Peyton was playing then, uh, Ryan Sandberg and uh, Andre Dawson were playing then. I don't know enough about the Blackhawks, no, was playing then. But she said it was just all, it was a sea of, of Walter Peyton's, Michael Jordan's, Ryan Sandberg's, and... Andre Dawson's. And because my mom is my mom, she asked the clerk, do you have a White Sox shirt? (laughs) And like way in the back by the Chicago Blaze was like this one White Sox, lonely White Sox shirt sitting there. And this is when they had the cursive C. Mm -hmm, And of course, my mom brought home a White Sox shirt for me. And I think the, the person working the counter got a bonus for selling a White Sox shirt (laughs) in 1989. Yeah, Yeah. Um, but yeah, and I, I, I'm, it's funny, like when the Red Sox won in 04, that was like, you know, the, the media treated it like it was a seismic event. When the Cubs won in 2016, it was, uh, it, it became a geological event. It was so earth shattering. When the White Sox won, it was huge for White Sox fans, but it didn't get nearly the national attention. And I have a tiny theory about that, which is, they never had their backs to the wall. They never had that moment. They only lost one game that whole postseason. 
And while there were some wonderfully close games and walk-off games, et cetera, and A.J. Pierzynski being a little cagey with a, the, a ball in the dirt, they never were like their backs to the wall on the verge of elimination like the Red Sox and the Cubs were. I bet if that was a seven-game series against Houston, it was ironic it was a sweep, and yet three of the games were nail-biters. Um, I think that was part of the reason why that never got the attention that, you know, they just they just steamrolled the Red Sox, Angels, and, and Astros. Yeah, I, I think, uh, I mean, you're onto something there. Um, it was shocking for Sox fans. I think uh, typical to a White Sox demeanor of when they lost that first game to the Angels, we thought, well, that's all over. That was a fun run. Uh, what do we have in store for next year? Um, but, you know, they rallied. And, yeah, to lose only one game that offseason uh, was just amazing. Uh, and then to, you know, obviously sweeping Houston. I, I think it's the the – how how the streak was romanticized for the Red Sox and for the Cubs. Uh, the Cubs, the lovable losers for so many years. Um, oh, poor Cubs. They've got this wonderful uh, museum that they play in and the day games for so many years and the WGN power station and Harry Carey, who was a White Sox broadcaster uh, before uh, the Cubs, and they have suffered for so long. That was built up in Hollywood and the media, you know, the Tribune owning the Cubs for so many years. They were front page material. Everybody just had this who didn't even know, like they may never been to Chicago. They've never, they couldn't even, you know, name a player for the Cubs, but, oh, they've suffered for so long. Like, you know, let's give them their due. People didn't know about the White Sox. They didn't know that it'd been a long time, you know, over 80 years. So uh, I, I just don't think, you know, folks built up any kind of love for the White Sox at that point. Yeah, I think a seven-game series would have been nice, but they needed a backstory. The Cubs had the whole backstory of everything that they were going through. Same thing with the Red Sox. The curse, the curse. And White Sox didn't have any of those fun little ghosts, or maybe they could have invented wait, some things. Wait a second. Wait a second. <laughs> Doing this on the just as Ray Liotta just died, they had the, a film about White Sox ghosts. I mean, how much more do you want? I mean, they had the ghosts coming out of the, the – I'm not allowed to swear – the effing cornfield. Sure. I mean, how much more could you have built up? And, yeah. and, you know, when they did the whole Field of Dreams game last year, and at for, I rolled my eyes back to my head that I looked like Linda Blair in The Exorcist <laughs> when I heard about they were doing that game. And I bought it hook, line, and sinker sure. when yeah. I watched it. And, of course, the game was such a great game. Mm -hmm. and so exciting and the great ending to it. Um, well, I would say nobody, though, that's a true White Sox fan said – Oh, Shoeless Joe cursed us. We are cursed because of that uh, scandal, uh, mm -hmm. opposed to the Babe Ruth trade and, and the Billy Goat uh, on the north side. The Billy Goat. That's <laughs> dumber than the Billy Goat. Hey, 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 you're preaching to the choir. I, I totally understand. I think that. I would be a White Sox fan if I grew up in Chicago just hey, because of that. You, you know? and, and the, the in the classic Bill Burr rant, which you as a comedian, I'm sure, have heard the Bill oh, Burr yeah. rant going off, which is music to every White Sox fan's ears. Yeah. Well, I'll put a link to that because I don't want to copyright <laughs> thing. You know, the interesting thing about one of the interesting is the fact that the White Sox stayed in Chicago. There have been several times where Chicago almost became a Cubs-only city. And in the mid-50s, 
And those of you who li listen to the show know I like to talk about the alternate realities in baseball. In the mid-50s, a lot of teams started looking around going like, hey, let's move the hell out of here. There's, you know, there's there are bigger cities that 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 need a team that we can have the whole market to ourselves. The Braves said to hell with Boston, we're gonna head over to Milwaukee. They broke attendance records when they went to Milwaukee. You know, St. Louis, there was a big scramble over who was going to be the, the team of St. Louis. Bill Vec tried to make it the Browns, didn't work off. They became the Orioles. And obviously what you, we know what happened with the Dodgers and the and the 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 Giants teams moving around. The White Sox in that period of time was breaking attendance records. I mean, their attendance went through the roof in the 50s where they had a very good team, ultimately winning the pennant in 59. And so they had if they had a dip in the 50s, they kind of like how Philip the Phillies had a rise in the 50s and the A's had a dip. And that's why the A's left and not the Phillies, you know, because the Phillies were the crap team of Philadelphia. The White Sox became a, a, a really popular team. And that probably saved them in Chicago. But there was there was a couple points, and most specifically in 1976, where the White Sox they were the attendance was in the dumpster. They had had a nice little bump in the early 70s, but then they started really collapsing. And the city of Seattle was suing baseball because of how the pilots were treated. Now, the, the pilots taken away from them when they kind of illegally were taken from them became the Brewers. Bud Selig's first uh, time getting his fingernails dirty. Comedian Danny Kay was going to buy the White Sox and move them to Seattle. And they'd be the Seattle White Sox. And Bill Veck came in and said, what if I got enough money I could keep him in Chicago? He said, if you can, great, but there's no way you're going to. And he did. And yeah. kept him in Chicago. And then, of course, we know what happened in, what was it, 88, 89? It was the late 80s. Yeah, they yeah. were going to move to – they built what is now the Trop for the White Sox. I mean, they were selling merchandise, Florida White Sox. They'd already mm -hmm. been printed. Um, they actually, uh, just a few weeks ago, uh, Jerry Reinsdorf and company put a statue in front of uh, Sox Park, guaranteed rate field, um, honoring James Thompson, then governor, who allegedly stopped the clocks in the, you know, in the state house so they could get the deal done. And on this so memorial, so exactly, it, it, it is. And, and underneath and underneath the bust, it says he saved the White Sox. And you just talk about eye roll. You have to roll your eyes. I mean, Jerry Reinsdorf, there's so many wonderful articles written about what he wanted, how he stomped and held his breath to get taxpayers to pay for the stadium yeah. that the Sox are playing in right now. And Thompson being a lifelong uh, White Sox fan, Harold Washington, mayor of the uh, of Chicago at the time, big White Sox fan. They did what they needed to do to keep, keep the Sox on the South side. It, it's fascinating the places that the Sox could have gone. I mean, they played home games in Milwaukee they did, uh, for, a, right. for a time, for a time being just to try it out, just to see uh, it, it's wild where this team could have gone. Yeah. But they were so close to being the Seattle White Sox or the Tampa White Sox. And they, they also, with the, that happened with the Giants. Tampa would have been better off just keeping the stadium empty and being <laughs> a blackmailing stadium for teams <laughs> to go to. But, man, it is a it is a surefire bet that if they didn't pull those strings, 
that the White Sox will be playing in Florida right now. And if you're going to be making any bets, go to our partners at Bet Online. They continue to be the number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find the latest odds, news, and sports developments, including this year's NBA Finals, the Stanley Cup playoffs, Major League Baseball scores, fights, even next season's NFL futures. Bet Online is your continued source for all your wagering information from live betting to playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. Bet Online, that's where the game starts. Hey, thanks so much for making. Lockdown MLB, your first listen. What should be your second listen? Well, that's got to be Lockdown White Sox. Who are we kidding? If you're in third listen, because I know we're listening to podcasts all morning long, check out the Lockdown Now podcast. Recaps of baseball games, Major League Baseball games, with analysis from our local experts. It, you've, been, you've done a couple of those, haven't you? Uh, taking fans through the season like no other network. It's free and available wherever you get your podcasts. All right, look it. We could talk about... We we've talked about the White Sox of the past and the and the White Sox of a parallel multiverse. Mm-hmm. It's, yeah. it's sort of Spider-Man No Way Home, except we're reaching in and we're grabbing Shoeless Joe and we're grabbing Danny Kay. But let's talk a little bit about the 2022 White Sox, mm. the team that I picked to win the AL Central. I'm guessing you picked to win the AL Central. I'm picking everybody in this court picked them to win those the AL Central, and here we are. They're trailing uh, the the Twins, um, and, and I will just say this. I still think the White Sox are going to win the AL Central, and I actually think the Twins are going to win one of the wild card spots, but I personally think the talent on the White Sox is too strong. I think they had a terrible start to the season, and I think you're, while they've been slumping a little bit lately – I think they have the talent to turn it around, but I'm not the White Sox expert here. You are. <laughs> yeah. You have you have the banners and the mustache to prove it. <laughs> so <laughs> I uh, resist. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. No. It's a, and I'm going to go get I'm going to go get an Italian beef in a couple hours to yeah, seal the deal. Um, so you, you, we talk history and we talked about all that stuff and what does it really mean? Well, in the whole history, over a hundred years of the White Sox. They have never repeated as division champions. There has never been a repeat. Uh, came close in 94, and we all know what happened uh, that year. So, you know, there was a lot of pressure on this team. Um, this, this is supposed to be a World Series contention window uh, based on, obviously, what our fearless leader, uh, GM Rick Hahn, has said. Uh, you know, uh, this is it. Uh, we have prepared ourselves. Now, we had we did not see what we wanted to see as fans in the offseason. We don't think the money was spent uh, correctly. Um, so there were some question marks coming into the season, uh, but a lot of injuries. Uh, you know, we didn't even start the year with Lance Lynn. We're still waiting for him uh, to be added to the rotation. That could be in a few weeks. And he was marvelous for the White Sox uh, last year. Uh, Aloy Jimenez has been on and off hurt. Uh, we're, he's on the IL right now. We're waiting for him to come back. He hasn't really played consistently for us. We didn't start the season with Yohan Mankata. Not that that really has helped, but you know maybe his injury at the beginning of the year has caused some of his uh, problems right now. Uh, we're really waiting for some consistency. We're waiting for this White Sox team, as you have said, as a lot of prognosticators had said, they have the most talent in the AL Central, but can the results uh, prove that? And 
Uh, we're waiting for it. We're, we've seen glimpses, uh, but this, you know, th this past series against the Red Sox uh, really exposed a lot of the issues that the Sox have ongoing. It's hitting with runners in scoring position. It's not taking walks low on base percentage. Our power hitting guys are not producing. Abreu is starting to heat up a little bit, but we wanted much more from Yasmani Grandal and Yohan Mankata. T.A., Tim Anderson is doing absolutely everything he can on and off the field. Uh, to mm -hmm. be the engine for the White Sox. I like our starting pitching, um, you know, as of this morning, uh, you know, I know, I know we're going to, you know, this will be dropped later on, but as of Saturday morning, the White Sox have DFA Dallas Keuchel, which oh, a really? lot. Yes. Oh, wow. Which this is, is old, this is old news by the time old, old news, but this is still huge news because White Sox fans have been waiting for this to happen. And after his latest outing where he gave up six runs in two innings, the Sox have decided to eat the remaining, it could be 18 million, something like that, just to get him out and clear up a roster spot. You know, rumor around town is that he's just a cancer in the clubhouse, you know, not well liked by teammates. And some of the, you know, quotes he has said over the last couple of years, just really high and mighty stuff. And, yeah. you know, you can't say that stuff if you're not producing. Uh, someone will pick him up. He'll find another home, I'm sure. But it, it almost seems right now, Sully, like the Sox are getting their house in order. Well, sometimes you have to do that. Sometimes you have to make, you know, I mean, the Red Sox a few years ago had to just cut bait with Sandoval, Pablo Sandoval when it was like, you know, when you know you have to pay that money anyway. Yeah. You know, and so the whole the sunk cost fallacy. Uh, well, we're all, we're going to be spending eighteen million. We can't afford to let him go. So, well, you're going to be spending eighteen million dollars, whether you let him go or not. And so, do you want a guy whose ERA is near eight and nobody likes that you pay, or you pay him to go away? He's going to be on Houston by the time this, uh, you know, by the time this podcast drops, <laughs> you know, because he probably should have been signed by. He should, probably should have stayed in Houston to begin with. But you know, like I said this a couple weeks ago when I was looking at the White Sox. I said, there's at the time, Jose Abreu's the OPS was like at 500, you know, and he was batting like 160. He said, he's not a 160 hitter with a 500 OPS. Things are going to turn around. And then like that day, he went on a little bit of a tear. You know, I mean, uh, you know, I think Anderson and Aaron Judge are two uh, major MVP candidates right now, not just for statistical reasons, but because of the heavy lifting that those two guys have to do on this team. I mean, I can't, I mean, Anderson's obviously having a wonderful season. I can't imagine where the White Sox would be if he was slumping as badly well, as everyone else. The saying, you know, is how Anderson goes is how the White Sox go. And, and that is held up. When you see uh, Anderson slumping or when he has been on the IL uh, in mm -hmm. periods the last few years, the Sox, you know, they fall. They fall hard. And uh, he is, look at his numbers. Uh, his, look at his offensive statistic numbers. I mean, he is number one in so many different categories. Definitely as a shortstop in all of MLB the you know it, it's impressive and uh he is a treasure i mean we are really starting to i hope appreciate and embrace him um yeah. and now it's just other guys that need to, to live up to as the, as we say the back of their baseball card uh obviously we know that there's more you know metrics that go into play but i have a lot of faith in this starting pitching uh you know from cease to giolito what we've seen out of michael kopech in his first year in the rotation you got to believe in that. 
Um, I hope I'm not just, you know, falling in love with uh, Johnny Cueto that is going to come back down to earth. I'm sure he will. I mean, he has not given up a run in a White Sox uniform. <laughs> that will change. But yes, yes uh, that's a he, great, great, great <laughs> prediction you just made there. You can go to bed online to make predictions like exactly. that, make money off of it. But he is fun to see in a White Sox uniform. And when we were talking about do the Sox DFA Keuchel a couple weeks ago, uh, what do you do with Johnny Cueto? You know, because he was in AAA at the time. My stance was I'm more excited to see what Johnny Cueto can do than know than than watch what I already know a Keuchel is going to do. If that makes I, sense, I, it makes all the sense. I talked about something very similar that you know the I'm a big believer in give a player with a major league pedigree a shot, and if Cueto wets the bed. But you that's what, two or three games you get it. The fact that he's been outstanding his first few times through the start rotation, and he's a guy who's played in the postseason with the Reds. He threw the our last complete game in the World Series was spun by Johnny Cueto in the World Series with Kansas City. Uh, I've not heard any whispers about him being a bad guy in Kansas City or in, in San Francisco. Uh, so he already has that leg up on Dallas Keuchel. But like you're asking him to be your number five starter. And Cease has been Cease has been up and down, but he, when he's been good, I mean, as of this recording, he has 71 strikeouts in 46 and two-thirds innings. He's had a couple of garbage games. He's also had a couple of great games. Kopech has been good. We know Giolito is talented. We know Lance Lynn is talented when he comes back. Right there, we just rattled off, uh, you know, uh, four or five starters that you could that you can turn to in a division where you know. The Tigers are disappointing this year. The people thought they were turning things around. They're disappointing. The Royals are rebuilding. The Guardians can't even remember if they're the Indians or the Guardians. And so your main competition is Minnesota, who you know is going to – I think they're I, – I predicted Minnesota to be about a 90-win team, and I stand by I think they're going to be around a 90-win team. But I think the White Sox, with a good rotation and maybe a little bit of help in the bullpen, so I'm going to give Graveman and Hendricks a little bit of – a little bit of help unless you really, really think that Tanner Banks is the solution, which I don't, um, you know, no. he, but you can yeah. get some reinforcements there. Yeah. And yeah. And I think the next guy that, you know, a lot of Sox fans are looking at too is Josh Harrison. And he was just a, you know, paper clips and bandaid off season. We're going to pick up him as second base. He's done really nothing. Um, so I, I think the, the first shoe to drop was Keuchel and then like, what else is going to, is, is going to happen here? Uh, we, we've all, the bullpens had some injuries, you know, as we record Joe Kelly, you know, is, is got a hamstring issue. Um, we might not see him for another couple of weeks. Uh, Hendricks has been up and down. Graveman has kind of been up and down. The problem is when I some totally of our forgot, I totally forgot they had Graveman. I totally yeah. forgot they had Graveman. Yeah. When when guys in the rotation like a who you mentioned can only go three because Cease is a strikeout pitcher and he throws like ninety pitches after three innings sometimes and mm -hmm. can't go. Then you then then you've got a lot of heavy lifting from our bullpen and with the right. schedule the way it is. We don't have a lot of days off, and you can't do that to a bullpen. You, we need guys to go deeper, you know, four, five, dare I say, six innings. Uh, so when we get that from Giolito or Kopech, you realize, wow, then we don't have to maximize our bullpen. Uh, but you got to also hit. You got to have some offense, and that is what Sox fans are waiting. Like, when are we going to bust out? We we saw the numbers of the Red Sox that we recently played, they turned things around and some of the numbers are unreal. 
Yeah. When are the White Sox going to go on one of those runs? You got to think it's going to happen eventually. Um, I have a couple of weird questions to ask you because, well, but this is just my, you know, I don't follow the team as closely as you. And so with that, you know, with that in mind, um, you know, like if I ask a question about this, you're like, actually, Paul, you know, they tried that and he vomited on the field when they did it. Like, so there's going to be some things I'm not going to, I'm not going to know everything. Okay. Um, so, okay. Now I've, I've, I've made that clear. Um, when you have someone like, um, who are we just talking about? We're talking about Cease. And we're saying he gives you about three innings, three innings of dynamite, and then he falls off a cliff. What if they Tampa Bay this a little, and you have someone pitch the first two innings, and then Cease comes in to pitch the third, fourth, fifth, and sixth innings, and then you go to your, like you have like those middle innings with this guy blowing everyone away. I'm not the biggest fan of the opener, but I also know that sometimes you have to you have to play with the tools that you you have. And if you have a guy here who isn't going to go deep into the games, but you know is going to give you you know three or four dynamic innings, what if you had those in the middle? Yeah, it has been talked about. Um, you know, general manager has gone on record. Uh, they have they have kicked it around over the last few years when they've seen teams like Tampa do it, and it just seems like that is not something that the White Sox want to want to go with. They want to uh, kind of work it out the traditional way. Um, they have a guy like Ronaldo Lopez that has bounced around in the rotation over the last few years and is a long relief guy. It looks like Vince Velasquez, uh, especially you know now with Keiko being DFA'd and Lynn coming back in a few weeks, he's going to be that long relief guy. So uh, if you do have a situation where Cease can only give you three, uh, that, that and that's just hopefully that is – uh, such an outlier that it doesn't become a norm. You can put in Lopez for, you know, four innings if needed. Um, again, yeah, I, I get, I get the concept and, you know, Sox fans on, you know, Twitter, or when you run into Sox fans and you, you know, you just want to talk at the game or wherever you meet your Sox fans, uh, that is always a discussion of like what's going on in other organizations in major, in the major leagues, what are they doing that maybe the Sox aren't doing and, you know, it, it's been addressed. I, I just, I don't think it's going to, it's going to happen that way. Uh, I always hate bringing up potential trades because it's always like, yeah, what if the Red Sox trade for Mike Trout? Yeah, we send them some prospects <laughs> and uh, pick up some other contracts and, and they'll say, throw them some contracts. Like they're saying, like they're, like they're, they're doing a uh, Harry Potter spell. Like, oh, prospects. <laughs> thank you. Give us Mike Trout. Um <laughs> But I do know that um, there's sort of there's a little Reese's peanut butter cup thing here that the the White Sox need a jolt in their offense. Then they need someone to sort of be standing over the offense and go clear and, you know, and, and wake them up. And I do know that Baltimore, while they are improving, are going to eventually trade Trey Mancini and Trey Mancini. Look, I'm, Trey Mancini is not an MVP candidate. But sometimes it's not the MVP candidate who winds up being the acquisition that sparks the team. I mean, you saw what the Braves did last year by picking up Rosario and Soler, and they, that was the kind of Rubik's Cube thing that helped turn the team. Like the Red Sox trading for Steve Pierce in the middle of the 2018 season. Well, look at that. He becomes a World Series MVP. It's, it's not always like, you know, like the superstar being dealt 
isn't always the big thing. And maybe it's like that sort of how do, you know the best way to put it is like that added bit of an agreement. This other hitter could take some pressure off of this or move, make sure this hitter is getting some more pitches to hit. I think they need to acquire either bring up some of their farm or make an acquisition to give the offense a little jolt because I think they have the pitching to win. And I have the pitch, I think they have the pitching to go far, but not if they don't have the offense. And you brought yeah. that up. But why couldn't they sort of bring in, you know, that could electrify the team. Sometimes the arrival of a player like that can do exactly that for a squad. Yeah, I, I mentioned Josh Harrison only because we've got a guy that can be brought up. As, and oh, oh, he, sorry, sorry, man. Sorry, I, got, I stepped on you there for a second. You, you, you have a guy who can, you can bring up there. And... Yeah, his name's Yolbert uh, Sanchez, and he plays uh, second base and, you know, what's the worst that can happen at this point? I mean, he's been hitting the ball fairly well. Can it translate to the bigs? Uh, we don't know, but I don't think it could be worse than what uh, Harrison's giving us offensively. Um, we, you know, we don't have a ton of assets. Uh, that's the other thing as a, I mean, our farm system has been depleted because we have tried to package things up uh, somewhat unsuccessfully over the years uh, to go after a talent and trading from the big league roster is always tricky. Uh, but we have guys like, for example, G Gavin Sheets, that is a, a natural first baseman. He's been shuffled out into the outfield. He's a left-handed power hitter that needs at bats. And we don't, we're just not going to be able to give him those at bats. We shouldn't be giving him as many at bats because between him and Andrew Vaughn, it's Andrew Vaughn. He's the future. We've got AJ Pollock. Adam Engel is a far better defense, uh, you know, a defender. And once Luis Robert comes back, uh, hopefully uh, this first week of June, he's obviously going to be your center fielder for the future. So, you know, I think the Sox have to look themselves in the mirror and say, what guys, are, hey, this guy's got a future. It's just not with us. And and how can we entertain maybe a deal? You just don't want to get desperate. Uh, we're not at that point. But yeah, to your to your your comment, I think a sh little bit of a, a spark, a shock, uh, is definitely what we need. We're here with Nick Morowski of Locked On White Sox. He doesn't have a chip on his shoulder. No, he's positive. <laughs> he's happy. He loves his team. He's got a good look at them. Um, look at, I, who did I, I picked the Blue Jays to win the pennant uh, this year. I did, I honestly did not see the Yankees being this good uh, as we're, we're at roughly the one third mark of the season right now. And this is really the first point where we can, you know, do a checkpoint. We could take a good look at our team. And I think you've, broken down the team a lot in this to show that there are parts of this team that, that are working great. There are, there are team parts of the team where, you know, they're going to eventually turn some things around. Um, give me with your team right now. I do need to know this because I gave the team a lot of flack when they brought back La Russa. Mm. Uh, in fact, I was the, the previous hosts of locked on white Sox had me on and I said, if you made a Venn diagram of the and to try to find the worst person to manage this White Sox team, they found him by by putting Tony Larusa. Yeah. Um, 
Now, to Larusa's credit, they won the division last year. You know, they 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 you know some might say they won in spite of them. Um, I, you know, there is a little bit of hey, you're already in the Hall of Fame. You had the greatest way to write off in the sunset, which is winning Game Seven of the World Series. Um, I'm sure you you just you know enjoy your life and you know call an Uber if you get drunk. Uh, but we're <laughs> that was a mean swipe at Tony Larusa. <laughs> But, you know, if this White Sox team underperforms this year, do they do they say goodbye to La Russa? Uh, Tony La Russa is not going anywhere unless he wants to go somewhere. Um, he is uh, the manager of the White Sox because of Jerry Reinsdorf. Jerry Reinsdorf uh, said, and this is speculation, but you, I mean, I don't think any White Sox fan that has been following this team would deny it. Uh, basically said, look, you, we've tried, tried it your way with Ricky Renteria, and uh, now we're going to do it my way, and we're going to bring in Tony La Russa. If you watch the press conference where he was announced manager, uh, the the look of Rick Hahn's face during the press conference, it looked like he was held hostage, and he needed a, a video needed to be released just to let everybody know that he was okay. Uh, he looked uncomfortable. It looked like this was definitely not his decision, which was kind of sad because he is the one that tore everything down. He got rid of the assets. He made the Chris Sale trade to bring uh, Yohan Moncada and Michael Kopech over to the White Sox. He tore it down and started to build it back up. And I feel like the capstone uh, was then putting maybe the manager in place and he was not able to do that. Mm -hmm. um, and so if Larusa goes, it they're going to, I don't know. He has a conversation with Jerry and Jerry says, you know what, this, th this is probably not working out. we got to figure out a way to make it look like this is on your terms and you just deciding, you know what, I'm going to spend time with the family. It's a really complicated, uh, bizarre situation. Uh, it, it's why a lot of Sox fans are just so tired of the, the Reinsdorf era and yes, uh, there's call the calls for Tony Larusa to be fired and gone are constant, especially when some of these lineups get thrown out there with Lurie Garcia hitting second or Andrew Vaughn in the eighth or ninth spot. Um, but you have to understand the dynamics, and Larusa is not going anywhere unless he chooses to. You know what the funny thing is, because I was living in the Bay Area when he was took over the A's, and um, at the time. He was considered like the most forward-thinking, cutting-edge, thinking-outside-the-box manager in baseball. And it just kind of shows, it's kind of like what happens when a comedian is the funny, cutting-edge, pushing all, you know, pushing it to the limit uh, standard of comedy, and eventually they become old and just a lounge act. Um this is right now, we're currently at the um, Bob Hope hosting the 1975 Oscars part of Tony LaRusso's career, uh, which is, it made sense yeah, in my I, head. I mean, there's <laughs> a there's a great documentary that just dropped on George Carlin and how yeah. he had to reinvent himself and mm -hmm. he had to take a step back and say, wow, I'm doing the same stuff. I was... I was, uh, you know, the cutting edge. I was, uh, and now I've got to read, I've got to do it again. 
it, it just, you know, it seems like LaRusse is just really tired and it's almost like he's doing Jerry Reinsdorf a personal favor. Um, and yeah, he was, uh, he was so slick with bullpen management years ago. Uh, he invented the closer, some would say, with the Dennis Eckersley stuff and how he's managed the bullpen with the White Sox, uh, very questionable. Uh, yes, he won the division, uh, but again, the, the group of uh, talent that was on that team finally healthy towards the end of the year, how can you not, I mean, how can you not get the division one? The problem was the ALDS against Houston. I mean, every weakness, every managerial situation was completely exposed by the Houston Astros and what they were doing. So the inability to adjust, and sometimes you have to adjust quickly against your opponent, has just not been there. Uh, we haven't felt that energy or that spark from Larusa. And no, you, here's, I'm only half kidding when I say this. It's going to sound like I'm making a joke. I'm only half kidding. The reason why I know that nobody is being totally honest with Tony LaRusso. And no one's no, the, anyone's tiptoeing around any criticism of Tony LaRusso is that he goes out in public with his hair colored like that. <laughs> it's true. It's true. Yeah. It sounds like I'm yeah. making a joke. I kind of am, but I'm making there but there's some It's a truth bold to play. It's a bold it, play. So. It looks like a he looks like a wig. It looks like the, it looks like the hair is sewn into the hat. It was he cut out a gorilla mask, and the the hair from the gorilla mask he's put on top of his head. That is not the hair. That, look at I'm I'm significantly younger than Tony Larusa. Okay, I'm fifty. I'm not I'm not young for anything right now, even being a Supreme Court justice. But that being said, my hair, which <laughs> thank God is still on my head, is getting yeah. gray and it's getting gray and i have the whole you know uh reed richards paulie walnuts uh white strips going across the side of my head i wear it well but well, you know, Tony Russo, a, let, that is he's a shock of black hair i've not yeah. seen hair that badly colored since dick stockton yeah uh the, let's do another dated reference when wayne's world came out there were mm -hmm. the you know these hot these you could get a wayne's world baseball cap and there right. would be the black hair coming out of the wig uh, out of the hat to kind of complete the costume uh and that's what might be happening um you know but hey again he's untouchable he's teflon tony uh, that's what that's what i call him yeah and and you know and there's whenever anyone I mean, like when i was calling for boone's head when any, when anyone says or like you know when the Cardinals bizarrely fired Schilt after <laughs> dragging him to the postseason said okay you're fired um, whenever anyone would say well if you're gonna fire me who who are you gonna replace him with who are you replace him with you know and I, my answer is has been consistent and that is Bruce Bochy is retired he's not coming back he had several lieutenants who were by his side in all those championship years. And if you look at the you know managers like Leland and Joe Madden and people who were bench coaches and coaches for championship teams that become great managers on their own right, Hensley Mullins and Roberto Kelly are sitting there. They should be major league managers. They had, were all they were Roberto Kelly was an all-star, Hensley Mullins had you know played forever in several different countries they've all played in different eras they've all played they all speak multiple languages they were 
they were the part of the brain trust as the Giants went on to win three World Series in five years. And they deserve a shot. Yeah, there was there's a guy that a uh, name that I I had in uh, Roberto Alomar, who's been the first yeah. base coach no, 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 forever. No, no, San, Sandy Alomar. Roberto, I'm sorry, Roberto. Yeah, San, Roberto, Sandy Alomar. Roberto has some baggage. Roberto yeah. has some baggage right now. Well, both of them had uh, both of them played for the White Sox at one point, and That's uh, right. Sandy Alomar has been uh, by Francona's side for a long time. Mm-hmm. Catchers make great managers, yep. and. I thought that would have been, I, and, and maybe I'm, maybe I heard that he just didn't want the gig. He maybe he had some interviews and he just didn't want to take that on in his life. But um, there are options. The, uh, Bruce Bochy was, I think, if Tony said no, the rumor I heard was Bruce Bochy was going to be the guy. Uh, but who he, knows? He, he's never re- coming out of retirement. He's loving his life. But yeah. what about Jose Okendo, who everyone in their moose thought he was going to become the new St. Louis Cardinal manager? I think he was the uh, third base coach for the Cardinals when Stan Musial was there. He was there for so long. He was one of Tony Russo's lieutenants. I yeah. mean, I mean, Joey Cora, who was, yeah, he was bench manager. He was bench coach for the Chicago White Sox for a long period of time. I think he would make a good manager. Um, you know, I, Hey, Joe McEwing, who was a bench manager for mm-hmm. Ricky Renteria, who's now the third base coach. It seems like players couldn't think more about him. And I, there are options, man. There really are options. Uh, I, the low-hanging fruit was A.J. Hinch. Uh, a lot of Sox fans wanted A.J. Hinch for obvious reasons, but then there was another faction of Sox fans that didn't want to touch A.J. Hinch at all. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it was just completely confusing. Um, yeah. And then you kind of warmed up to it, and you tried to justify it. It's like, well, the resume, and but I, now it's just it just seems really stale. Yeah, I, I was when they let go of Renteria, and believe me, I didn't follow the Sox close enough to know the ins and outs of Renteria as a manager. I just said, if you know, there were several managerial openings that offseason, and the fact that Kelly and Mullins walked away without a job and they dusted off the late Tony LaRussa to be the manager of the White Sox. And by the way, uh, I, I doubt he's listening to the show, but do you know whose head is exploding? that we have not mentioned his name once to take over the managerial raids of the White Sox? Whose head would be exploding right now that he hasn't even been mentioned, hasn't even been burped? Um, Well, if you say Ozzie Guillen... I I was going to say Ozzie Guillen. Well, well, the story, uh, Sully, (laughs) is that Jerry Reinsdorf called him personally after Renteria was fired and told him, you are not getting the job. Um, So... Uh, trust me, we, I, I would have been, I would have entertained that, you know, if you're going to bring back a guy for the second time around, I'd rather have seen Ozzy Guillen, uh, than Tony LaRusa. but yeah, he, he was a fan favorite for sure. I know. I know he was, he, he was like, a, he was almost like, the, uh, the White Sox version of Billy Martin. Yeah. That, oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> that, you know, you know, he was just an impossible to deal with. And yet, you know, he's doing the job. Um, but I've, uh, for my 1972 postseason book i've written i've read now three biographies of billy martin and mm. uh he is it never because he managed the tigers in 72 when they went to the playoffs and he is a never-ending source of uh, uh he's one of the most fascinating figures in baseball history i'm sure ozzy is like why can't i get another gig but you want who is gonna get another gig nick morowski who is the host <laughs> of locked on white Sox. 
And thanks for being part of this as we're entering June now. We're entering the month of June. So we're going to start seeing some stuff. Where can people listen to your great podcast? Uh, you can find the podcast absolutely everywhere you find podcasts, social media stuff at Locked on Socks. And uh, I'm on Twitter at Nick underscore GGTB. Um, if, what is GG, uh, what is GGTB? I'm sure that's something. GGTB that... is is another uh, fan centric White Sox podcast I do, but it's a weekly podcast with a dear good friend of mine. Uh, and the name of the podcast is Good Guys Talk Back, which is a playoff of the uh, slogan from the early '90s: "Good guys wear black." Ah, uh, yes. Uh, well, we can keep that going. And uh, I hear my dog barking upstairs. <laughs> I, better, I, I owe her a walk. So you can follow yeah. me at Sully Baseball. On Twitter, Solo Baseball Podcast, on Instagram. You could follow this podcast at Locked On MLB Pods. Same handle for Instagram. Well, my dog's barking. That means it's time to wrap up the podcast. Thanks, Nick Morosky, for being part of it. Thank you all for listening. This has been Locked On MLB, Locked On White Sox crossover. I'm your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. I'm not Paul Sullivan from Chicago Tribune. No, 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 no. I'm Paul Francis Sullivan, so please call me Sully. <laughs>